0: He asked a lot of questions. He was like very curious and like, you know, made sure to know what I liked and what I didn't like. And, you know, like beyond sex, like asked about my dreams and aspirations and all these things. So (laughs) just all well-rounded in terms of like making sure that um, he was like doing what he could to make me happy.
1: To another episode of Dear Men fan favorite girl talk. We girl are so excited. We haven't done this in a while, and I'm glad to have my ladies back with me. We are doing the best sex we've ever had today. So we're gonna get right into it and um start as normal by going around and saying our names, our rough ages, and our wild card question, which today is: where is your favorite part of the body to be kissed on? favorite part of the body to be kissed. And we, anyone can start. I am, I'm not going to start. So (laughs) so pick it up.
0: I'll go first. Hey y'all, this is Nancy. I am 27, a year older since uh, the last girl talk.
1: (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
0: And let's see, on a scale of zero to 10, um, (laughs) let's one I don't know (laughs) it's a long story behind that um and my favorite part to be kissed on my body is probably like right underneath my ear like on my neck like right on the side of my neck I feel like I got like kind of it's like very sensitive and ticklish there and it's like (laughs) oh
1: good choice good choice I can go next um Mel late 30s zero to single oh like sorry zero to taken i'm like zero guys i'm like i'm like close to negative numbers here i'm like how you know how are people meeting people to hook up with during covid and feeling good about that i don't understand i don't understand but just okay so negative numbers due to covid and i would say my favorite place to be kissed on my body is probably like the back of my neck and and such <laughs>
2: Okay. Uh, my name is Nina. Uh, I'm 40. Um, on zero to 10, I don't know. I guess I'd probably say a one. I thought that I had something going on, but like, i I think I've been ghosted this week. So oh. like, I guess the number is going negative now. Um, I'm not really gonna happen anyway. Um, I, this is like super traditional, but like, I think my favorite place to be kissed is my mouth. Like, I love a good make out yeah. on the lips. So yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> nice. Well,
0: first of all, I'm sorry to hear that. I, the fact that ghosting is a thing for grown people, I, I know it's like old fashioned. I know a lot of for people 50. do it. I, yes. <laughs> yeah. It just He's it drives me absolutely insane. So I, I if it's true, which unfortunately usually when you think it's leaning that way, it is, I am very sorry to hear that. That sucks. Um, so my name is Amber. I am in my late thirties. I, uh, am about an eight on the relationship scale, um, shacking up with the boyfriend, uh, adopted kittens together. So we're like a, like a little family. Um, Favorite place? I feel like we're not being very inventive, but I would say kind of like the nape back of my neck as well. Specifically, I really like like the approach from behind arms around and then the kissing, kissing on the lower neck. Um, I also just love making out. I, I, I like Nina. Uh, I, I love kissing as well. But if I w- if I were thinking about, you know, kind of in, in, in sort of a seduction type of way, that's that gets me going.
1: Ooh, I like that. I like the introduction of the word seduction. It's great. (laughs) Um, So thank you for your intros. And we are going to, like normal, we're going to start with just a round of a memorable, less than great experience that you had with sexy time. So we're going to talk about the best sex we've ever had on this episode. But first, we're going to start with, you know, some sex that wasn't maybe the best. And this could be the worst that you've experienced or somewhere but somewhere on the sort of like, yeah, I could have done without that, or like, meh, meh, meh," sort of stories. Who would like to start?
0: This is a hard one, because uh, I don't think any of us like to dwell on the not-so-great sexual experiences. Um, I think, honestly, the one that stands out to me is one I've actually talked about on the podcast before, which is somebody uh, that I have nicknamed, and Mel Mel knows, uh, the jackrabbit. Um, And as you can imagine, you know, quick fast, hard, um, a a bit painful at times, pretty much no pleasure for me. Um, it was, you know, a a casual sexual type relationship, you know, met, met in a bar or something. And, um, and I'm embarrassed to say, you know, invited him over once more after the first time. Um, not surprising. It was exactly the same, no better. I didn't give any feedback that, you know, Hey, can you, I slow it down a little. I think I sort of tried to give signals with my body, but he wasn't picking up and he definitely wasn't asking. Um, so yeah, I was just, you know, pound, pound, pound until, until he got off. And, and, uh, at the time I thought that that was what sex was like sometimes. Um, and now I know much better that yes, it is like that sometimes, but it doesn't have to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's not that pleasurable for the ladies when it's when you when you take her to Hammertown. So no,
0: I think to expand very slightly, I think one of the things that I thought was, if you don't, if you don't typically orgasm from intercourse, then what the intercourse is like, isn't that important. So like, if it's bad intercourse, that's sort of okay. And I now realize that that's ridiculous. You can have very pleasurable intercourse, whether you're going to have an orgasm or not.
1: Okay, so what you're saying is, if if you the woman, if the woman doesn't come from intercourse it doesn't really matter if it's not good for her
0: Right. I think at the time I thought like I was sort of like, well, I, I'm not going to come anyway. So like, what's the point of trying to to make it better? Because I already knew he he didn't seem to be engaging in the other stuff that was going to make me come. And so why don't I just leave the intercourse as as not very good? You know, what, what's the point of like trying to make it better? But yeah, as I said, that is that is not correct. In my experience, you can absolutely have great intercourse, even even if it's not bringing you to orgasm.
1: Yeah. And it kind of makes me sad. And I was also sad to hear you say like th- that you were kind of embarrassed that you took him home again, because, you know, a lot of times our desire for sex is about our desire for connection and sexual pleasure. And so I don't think you should be embarrassed. I think he should be embarrassed that he that he doesn't really know how to be, you know, present and attuned to a woman in in bed because that's really important. And I, I just wanted to um uh, so I think most of my listeners know that I have a, a course on sex called Please Her in bed and one of the sections in that course is specifically about oral pleasure because not just because of this, but it's a pretty striking thing that 75% of women report not being able to orgasm through intercourse. Mm. So when you said that, you know, and that ranges from 70 to 75%, depending on the study, but it's the overwhelming majority of women. Most women don't come through intercourse. And anecdotally talking to my friends, many of my friends say they only orgasm with certain men during, Mm -hmm. during intercourse, that it's not a sort of usual thing that happens for them, but with certain men they do. And that the men with whom they tend to have orgasms are men that they trust. So for several of the women I've talked to have said there's a correlation between how trustable he is, how much I trust him and kind of how much my body opens to him and how much pleasure I receive specifically in intercourse, like from his cock. So I just wanted to throw that out there that you're not in the minority if you, and you're, and you also, if you are a man who's had sex with lots of women who haven't had an orgasm during intercourse, that's actually pretty normal. So it's not kind of like, I don't know. I think sometimes we think that it's like, all of these women are out there completely orgasmic and they're having all these experiences. And it's like, no, actually that's like pretty, pretty slim little minority there.
0: Yep. Yep, and I also think, frankly, that it's very normal for people, you know, kind of early in their sexual lives, not to not to ask for pleasure. Um, and so I think for me, the reason that I'm embarrassed is is because I I know so much better now. But you're absolutely right. That's not not only is it normal, but it's it's okay. You know, it's okay to not to not know how to do something, and then when you learn learn how to do it, to to you know, know better, do better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a lot. You know. When I was doing my research, when I'm still doing my sex research, a lot of what I'm looking at is how does, specifically in man-woman relationships, how does a man make it safe for a woman to tell him what she likes and what works for her? Because I think a lot of men assume, oh, she'll tell me if something's not working. But when I'm looking at the research, the vast majority of women, myself included, have I have never told a man, that's not true, I'm not never, but in my 20s, I never told a single man ow, what you're doing is hurting me. So it wasn't even just that it wasn't working. It was like, oh yeah, that actually hurts. Which brings us to my story. So I uh, met a guy at a cookie store, which sounds super wholesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Um, met a guy at a cookie store, gave him my number and we went out on a date and and I brought him home and he was actually okay at making out. I thought that the make out was the make out, I don't know about you ladies, but for me, frequently, I've frequently had the experience, especially in casual sex, where the makeout is the best part. And then things sort of decline from there because I think that a lot of men are learning most of what they're learning from porn instead of from women. And so um yeah, so we we were making out and it was good. And then he started fingering me and it was painful. So it was too hard, too fast, too rough which frequently comes up in my research. And I'm just going to sort of cut to the chase. We don't need to dwell on this, but basically, um, I ended up, um, giving him a hand job. So he wanted to have sex. I said, no, partly because I was like, this doesn't really feel like this part doesn't really feel good. And I feel like that is an indicator of, of other things as well. And I just didn't feel, I just wasn't feeling it. And, and that's not entirely surprising, right? Because what I've noticed again, I don't know about you ladies, but when I'm really turned on, that's when I want to have sex. That's when I want to have intercourse. And if what we're doing and or what you're doing as the man isn't turning me on, I'm distracted. I'm sort of trying to protect my body. I don't really want to have sex with you. Cause I'm kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. I'm just sort of like, I sort of want it to be over. There's a part of me that's like, I kind of want this to be over. So, and I think there's a lot of pressure on women to, like, I, I sort of felt like, I'll give him a hand job. He'll come and then he'll leave. It was like, in. it was like this thing of like, this is the fastest path to getting him to exit the situation. And I feel some shame around that as like a strong, independent woman who's a feminist being like, why did I jerk that guy off? Like it, like in retrospect, I'm sort of like, what the fuck? Like I should have just been like, you know what, this isn't really working for me. I kind of want you to go. But in the moment I just feel I have noticed that I feel social pressure. Like, and I did like him. Like we connected, we had fun. We'd gone to a bar. We'd played all these bar games. Like he was a cool guy. Like I, I felt a certain amount of connection with him. Didn't really want to hurt his feelings, whatever, all the things. And so I was sort of like, fine, I'm just going to give him a hand job so that he, so that he has an orgasm. Right. I didn't have an orgasm so that he has an orgasm. And so that he leaves. Right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and this is like, this has happened to me a number of times in my sex life where I've noticed that I want connection and I want sex. I try it with a man, he's not very good. And I end up feeling a little bit like, what the fuck was that? Like, it's almost like I'm a sex worker. I'm like, I didn't have an orgasm. I gave you a hand job. You got off and then you left. Like, what the fuck? And I didn't even get paid. Like, if I'm going to do sex work, I don't <laughs> get fucking paid for it. Like, what the fuck? So, um, yeah, that was sort of a memorable experience and it, maybe kind of a turning point of I was like, what is the point? A little bit of like, what is the point of casual sex? And I feel sad saying that because I have had really good connected casual sex, but I would say it's in the mi- minority of experiences that I've had. And that's part of why I'm passionate about things like my course, because I want there to be more out there for men taught from women about what really works. Because the truth is, it's really hard for us to talk about it. It's hard. It's hard for women to be honest about like, ow, like that actually kind of hurts what you're doing. Cause I, you know, we're terrified. We're going to, you're going to feel shut down or rejected. And then you're going to, you're going to punish us or something, something bad is going to happen. That's not that kills the mood or that whatever. And so we're sort of grinning and bearing it in, in these circumstances when maybe it's not working.
0: I find that experience very relatable. I think that's partly the the porn influence, the idea that that the man has to come and and the woman doesn't have to. Like I definitely still feel like that, like the 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 sexual session is not over unless the man comes. Whereas there's plenty of times when either I don't come, and sometimes I don't always want to. Sometimes I've still gotten a good amount of pleasure out of it. Um, but you know, either I don't feel I'm going to reach orgasm or, or whatever. But but it's okay, it can end. But if the man hasn't come, then then no way right and so I think that that social pressure I think that's that's you know extremely common
2: yeah I think um I relate to all of that and I think about like most of the bad sexual experiences that, that I'm thinking about as we're talking that a lot of them do go back to the jackrabbit thing like so there's just so much of that and like I'm thinking particularly of one guy who he was a really good friend of mine and I'm thinking of like two people I had bad sex with. One, both of them were really good friends of mine that I tried to take it to another level, which it's really interesting because those are people I trust and feel comfortable with. So you would think the sex would be good. But in both cases, one, he, it was total jackrabbity. And I I continued it for a long time where we like tried to have sex on a regular basis, but casually and still be friends. But it was all, always jackrabbity. He seemed to enjoy it. And so like I kept doing it because he enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it at all so that was one and then the other a really good friend of mine he want he like talked in baby talk for sex and it oh, just grossed no. <laughs> no. me out like
1: uh, yeah. can you give us an example of
2: what that sounded like, like he's like oh does she want it does she like that does she something oh, something no. okay like, ooh, stop, stop. Just, stop. Like, it's just so Christmas gross <laughs> I was so perturbed. He's an extremely good looking guy. And like, I know a lot of people who know him and are always like, what's up with him? And I'm like, oh, he baby talks to you. It's gross. Um, I don't tell them, but I'm like, it's bad. Uh, you don't want that. I, I promise you. And like afterwards, um, we tried twice and afterwards he was like, you're like my perfect person, like whatever, blah, blah, blah. Why don't, he was like, I feel like we're not having good sexual chemistry. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we're compatible in this area. And he's like, I don't know what it is. And I I could have told him, but again, like, I think, I think that's something we all have to work on. Like, you know, I I just should have said something.
1: Well, it's so risky though. I, I really do think that it's not just, because I think there's a lot of stuff out there of like women just need to speak up. And I'm like, you know, I think there's a, there's a middle ground. And I think, you know, a lot of the beginning of what my course teaches is how men can make it safe for women to speak up, like starting and at some point saying like, hey, I really want this to feel good for you. I really want this to feel good for you. And I always want to know if something's not working, like explicitly say upfront yeah. what you want and make it safe for her to, to speak about it. And so it's like, it, it, I feel like there's just a lot of stuff, education around sex that focuses solely on body parts when really what we're talking about is the most important part of Actually learning each other actually actually learning each other has a lot more to do with how do I tell you something isn't working and and how do you become open to that and vice versa and not feel shut down or rejected or at least be able to share our feelings of shutdown and rejection and and manage through them It's actually a lot more about that than it is about where the clitoris is because okay. you know he would I mean this is the thing if I were a dude, I would want to ask because I would want to know. And the truth is like a lot of women aren't saying, so I would, I would want to know. I'd be like, Hey, I'd love to, I'd love to actually know. Cause I think if he kind of dug a little bit there and made it, made more of an opening and was really present for that conversation, you might've told him, yeah. but it was sort of like, yeah, I can't tell what's wrong. You know, I, I don't, I have no idea. We just don't have chemistry. It's like, instead of like, Hey, is there, you know, is there anything I could be doing or any way that you could be feeling more pleasure? I would love to, I would love to know. Yeah. I feel like you might've said something. Would you, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think so. And like, cause when you're talking, there's a guy, um, who I dated who like very explicitly asked those things, like upfront, what do you like? Like before we even had sex and then like after, like down the line, like, what are you liking? What are you not liking? And like all that, like, what do you want that I'm not doing? Like all that kind of thing. Um, and I, that was great. Like the sex just like continued to get better.
1: Yeah. See, that was a great case study. Love it. Thank you for (laughs) sharing that. I'm like, hello, see, it works. (laughs) I also wonder,
0: just quickly, since you were saying jackrabbitiness is kind of at the, at the corner sort of a lot of the examples, do a lot of guys confuse like going faster with being more passionate? Like, Is that part of the issue? I, Mel, have you ever gotten any feedback like that?
1: So I would say that in my sex research, the only people who bring up Jack jackhammer or jackrabbit are women. So the, the men aren't talking about that as a, as a thing. That's not a thing that they're, I, I don't know if they're aware of it or what sometimes they will say is they'll say something like when I was younger, I think I was doing it wrong or they'll, they'll sort of reflect back and they'll say, and now I realize what I was doing, but they won't be specific about what that means necessarily. So I think it would be an interesting research question to ask about specifically. Um, I do think that it's shown in porn a lot.
2: I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's modeled a lot. So I don't know how much is, I really don't know. Cause I'm not a man. I don't know if it's like, is that super pleasurable for you guys? Is that, you know, I, I don't know. It, it also seems to me like faster and more friction is what eventually leads him to come. So I don't know if it's like, I'm just going to do that the whole time or I'm not really sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, like Porn is not bad, but having it be the way you learn how to have sex and definitely having it be the way you learn how to come, I think is that's problematic, right? Like if you pick up a women's magazine, if you pick up Cosmo any month, there's going to be an article about, about how basically how to reach your orgasm. <laughs> Right. Like pretty much, because that's something that women basically like learn how to do not. And, and that's not to say that it doesn't come naturally, but in terms of like how to maximize it, how to have multiple orgasms, it's something that we mm-hmm. spend time on. And so I do think that perhaps just fast and hard is the way to come could also be something that's teach slash learn slash you can learn other ways. Like, I mean, I, I, and I know I'm not inventing this topic, like, of course, like, you know, the Kama Sutra and, and, and various there's various studies about lasting that I think are closely related but I don't think I'd ever really thought about it as like, maybe it's partly just not knowing better.
1: Absolutely. I, I do think that that's a big part of it. Nance.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I'd i say some of the same things are, have been prevalent in my worst sex experiences. I've also shared on this podcast before. So I'm not sure what episode it was, but uh, I'm sure Mel can reference that. So y'all can go back and listen to the full episode. I won't go into full detail, but uh, there was this guy that I'd, I'd met at a bar, um, the Scorpio. Does anyone, I don't know if Mel remembers. Is this
1: the jump <laughs> the off guy? Is
0: this uh, the, what was that?
1: Is this the jump off guy?
0: Yeah, the jump off. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, the yelp guy. <laughs> that's also it's also a nickname for him um so I met him I I met this guy at a bar and turns out he's a Scorpio I'm a Scorpio and you know what they say about Scorpios (laughs) so one night he he hit me up and he um asked if I wanted to hang out which at 10 p.m which you know is obvious uh (laughs) uh what what here where his intentions were and I was like okay sure yeah and then um, when I was there, long story short, he kept trying to make me give him a blowjob. And I didn't want to give him a blowjob because I, this is, I don't know you. I've met you once at a bar and, um, no, like I've, blowjobs are very intimate for me. So I, I only usually give them if, you know, if we're dating and in a, uh, serious relationship where you know where you're my boyfriend or like close like in going in that direction um so yeah he kept like forcing my kept like forcing my head down and pushing my head down and I was like uh no I was like and I said I said something which I was really proud of like looking back I'm like big win big big win I like jumped off I jumped off his bed and I was like I'm not having fun (laughs) I was like I'm not having fun here. And then and then he kept trying and then he was like, oh like I'm sorry. It was scary though for me to say that. Um and then he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Um and then like I did have intercourse with him. Um I didn't like give him a, I didn't give him a little job, but I did have intercourse with him and the whole time I was just thinking, like, okay, as soon as he comes, I'm out of here. I'm like peace. And that's exactly what I did. I jumped at, like I jumped off right after he came and I was like deuces <laughs> I put my I put my wow. two fingers up in a piece and I was like deuces dude <laughs> just, guys
1: she actually did that that's not like she literally was like deuces and then she left his place
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> literally I was like deuces put on all my clothes put on my shoes and then um he he the gentleman he was walked me to my car and then he asked uh if <laughs> what did, I don't know how we got into this conversation but he asked like If you had to give me, if you had to give me a Yelp rating, what would it be? (laughs) Oh my serious? (laughs) And then I said, I said two stars, which was very generous, honestly, (laughs) of me. Um, Looking back in retrospect, you know, I'm just so, I'm just too generous of a person. So um, I I was like two stars. And he was like, he was like harsh. (laughs)
1: Dude, if it were me, it's so... It's so crazy to me, because if it were me, I'd be like, oh, whoa, what happened? And he didn't really engage with you about it. He was just like, oh, harsh. And then he left. Like, to me, that was the weirdest. I was like, wouldn't you want to know? I would want to know. Like, wouldn't you want to know what happened? But I don't know if maybe he was. I don't know what was going on there. And then he hit you up. Like, he still hit you up after that to, like, see. I was just like, my mind was blown by that. I was like, what? I don't know. Yeah. Jump up, guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ironically, yeah. I feel like the the Yelp rating could actually could, if if put put correctly, be exactly what you were talking about, Mel. A way to open up for feedback. You know, uh, again, obviously, you would have to be one. You have to be prepared to ask follow up questions if it's a low rating. But you know, two, you would have to. You know, I, I feel like it could go either way. It could go wrong, but it it could be kind of a funny way for you know for guys to to actually ask for you know. Hey, how was it for you?
1: Completely. So um, now we're gonna shift into the best sex we've ever had. And feel free to contrast things that you experienced in the other ones with the with the best. And it doesn't have to be like the number one sex you've ever had in your whole life, but just really, really good, really good sex that you've had. What made it memorable? And what was it about the encounter that was so uh, fulfilling?
2: I, I, so I've had a lot of really good sex with this one person well, and in general, but with this one person and, um, like what comes to mind in particular is we met, this is the only guy I've ever slept with on the first night I met him. Um, so I kind of thought it was going to be like my one night stand that I like hadn't accomplished in my life. Um, And (laughs) I was like, I was going to check the box off. And so like we had sex the first time and it was good. Um, but we ended up like starting a relationship after that, but it was long distance. And so we were talking long distance for a month until we saw each other again, but like every day, very consistently. And I think when we saw each other, that was like some of the best sex I've ever had. And I think it was like, I really liked him. Um, and I felt confident he really liked me. And there was like tons of anticipation, even though like it had been done before, but like there was like all this anticipation around seeing each other. Um, we went to a destination, like we didn't even do it like at either of our like houses or home states. Like we went to like a romantic destination, and, like went on a trip. So like, as soon as we like got off, like met in the airport and like went to the hotel, it was just like, on like donkey come. So, um, it was just like awesome. So I don't know. It was like very passionate and it felt like, like we had been talking as though, like, this was like the love of our life type thing. Like it was very like over the top and like all of our phone conversations. So it was just like super passionate. Um, and then there was just like a lot of sex the whole weekend, which was all like really amazing and varying types of sex. And so I think that's what was good.
1: Can you say more about varying types of sex? Like, do you mean like Some of it was really slow and romantic.
2: Yeah. Like, I think we started out like very, like, like I said, it was like very passionate and sort of, I guess, like romantic when we first got there. Um, But then there was like, you know, like a quickie here and there, like we were having sex three and four times a day on this trip. So like, you know, it'd be like a quickie here and there, like, you know, wake you up in the middle of the night sex or like me waking him up in the morning with a blowjob, you know, starting off sex or, you know, so like, yeah, like sort of like rougher, you know, more like animalistic sex and then also like passionate, romantic, like sort of whatever, I guess, like you could say like making love and fucking or whatever you want to, whatever terminology you want to use. But yeah, that's, that's what I would say.
1: That's great. I, in, um, when I was putting together the course, I was asking all of these women what made the sex so good. And I was surprised by how, like just the number of women that talked about anticipation like what you said, like actually what happened during the day before the date or the week leading up to the encounter or whatever it was sort of like attention on her before the sexual encounter. I was like blown away by just the percentage of women that talked about it and just how much it turned them on like in preparation, like in preparation, like it's like prepping their bodies or like making them hot before the encounter. It was like not something that I had, because I take all of my own surveys before I send them out. And it was not something that had occurred to me, but the number of responses that came in and the ferocity of them, I was like, oh yeah, this is a major part of sexual turn on for, for women.
2: Yeah. I think it's something to talk about. Like, I think foreplay in general is something to talk about. Like there was a lot of foreplay there and I think that helped to turn me on, but I think there was a lot of foreplay that wasn't even physical. Like the, like all the conversation leading up to that was foreplay. So, and
1: exactly. that
2: doesn't mean it has to be sexual. Like that doesn't mean like the month long conversation was about sex, but it was just like building up anticipation.
1: Totally.
0: I, ironically, I actually think um, when you were when you were telling that story, I was think of I was thinking that mm-hmm. one of the one of the reasons that I've had good sex is sometimes when it's unexpected, like either the sex itself is unexpected or you don't necessarily expect the person to be good. And they are. And, and then that's obviously like a really nice surprise. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking specifically of, um, of a time when, when a guy, I honestly could not remember. I cannot remember if it was like, so this, it was a guy I was dating. Um, It was somebody that had basically like pursued me through he, we worked together. And so one, I didn't want to date him because of that. And two, he was like, um, maybe in his early twenties and I was in my late twenties and I didn't love the age gap. Um, Anyway, long story short, when When we had sex, I can't remember if it was the first time or if we'd or if we'd had sex multiple times before, but it was just much better than I thought it would be. And he was a lot kinkier than I would have sort of guessed just by looking at him. and i'm I, I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as kinky, but he was sort of he wanted to kind of like ease me into certain things. So specifically, he had like one of those, these things that go under the bed where they're like fabric and, and they come out of each corner of the bed. And so two go on your ankles and two go on your hands. And uh, one of the things that I do, and I think a lot of women probably do this is when a man goes down on you, either if you feel like you're not going to get to orgasm or maybe just from some self-consciousness or something, you don't let it go on very long. Um, if you're tied up, you don't have a choice in the matter. And uh, I remember, I remember having multiple orgasms while he was going down on me, and I'd never, I'd never experienced that before. And and part of the reason that it was so good is because I was really surprised by it. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't know that you know me being hesitant or me stopping it was preventing this this situation. If I'd known that, I I, I would have let let people hang out down there a lot longer. Hi stars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely five five stars on Yelp. Um, so yeah, so I think I, I think I think both sides can work. I think anticipation can be great. And by the way, I'm just I'm really happy, Nina, that you had those intense conversations and that it came to fruition. Cause I think probably a lot of us have also had experiences where you have these really intense conversations and connections and then the sex doesn't match. And that's oh. just sad. <laughs>
2: yeah. I actually had that recently in another long distance. Um like because i moved across country and there's somebody that I'd been talking to for a long time and his was about, um, about oral sex and he just claimed to be just so good at it. And so we finally did it. And I was like, who told you you were good at this? <laughs> it's like, he wasn't. And I, I just, but then like that really turned me off, especially because he thought he was so good. I was like, so turned off. Cause I was like, I don't want to have sex with you. So like, I had, I didn't have sex with them. Um, I just kind of like went to bed. Um, so yeah. (laughs) Good for
0: you. I think there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of like, there's a sense that like, that's an asshole move, but it's not, it's not, no, I don't think we're obligated. Right. It's just like Noah was saying like, we're not sex workers. It's not our job to give pleasure and not receive it and to do something that we're not feeling. Like, obviously, yeah. if every time you saw him, <laughs> you did yeah. that, that would be another story.
2: Yeah, he didn't do it again. But you're right. I mean, if we were in a restaurant and the appetizer had a bug in it, you probably wouldn't eat the entree. So, Oh, my God. That was a great <laughs> analogy. I just have yep. to shout you out,
1: Nina. That was incredible. No, I, I do think that there. I've had a similar experience of a guy who sort of talked himself up in terms of how good he was with his hands. So, like, fingering. And I was not impressed um, when we ended up having sex and I actually, yeah, some of it was like a bit painful and sort of to your point, Amber, about, you know, speaking up or not, I, this was a guy that I was seeing and we had, we, we met on an airplane and so we had, you know, those conversations that we, we were like flying across the country and we had the same connection. Like we were going from here to there. And so it was like an eight hour conversation because it was like the first plane and then the transfer and then the second plane. And so we had really talked about a lot of things and we got along really well and stuff. And I think that when that happens, I'm, I, I feel somehow like, I can't bring up that I, this didn't work for me because I'm going to hurt your feelings. And I actually like who you are and I don't really want to hurt your feelings. And so, um, again, that social pressure comes to bear on it. And I think that he, and I think he might've even asked me, I don't really remember, like, how is it? How's it going? Or something like, and I was like, good. You know, I I lied like, good, you know, good. And in the sex research that I've done, that's actually pretty common. And so part of what I teach is like winning questions versus non-winning questions. Because if you're asking a binary, like, is that good? she, she doesn't have a lot of avenues to tell you it's not good. It's like, no, or yes, versus like, how's the pressure? Then she has somewhere to to say, oh, actually it could be a lot less, like maybe less. And so there's an avenue for her to give you specific, more specific feedback, like winning questions versus binary ones. Cause the binary ones, I just, there's so much pressure to just kind of shine it on. And especially I think when there is a connection and you you do know the person and you want you want them to win. You want them to feel good about what they're doing. And and it's there's a that's a big hurdle, it's a big obstacle to get over to get over that and to just be honest, you know, because I think, yeah, that's something that I would like to see less of in the literature, so to speak, is like, well, women just need to be honest and speak up. It's like it's more nuanced than that. That's not the only thing that needs to happen. There's there's, you know ways to go on both sides did it nance do you want me to go or you're okay
0: sure i'll go ahead i've also shared the story i believe on another episode of Talk. Yeah. um the best sex i've ever had hands down is um, i was dating my ex-boyfriend um from college and we were in a, about a two year relationship, um, for my birthday one year, he had, oh my gosh, I'm getting butterflies thinking about it. Okay. So he had, um, I was working in the city in, in San Francisco and he had gone, well, in retrospect, I know all of this, but I didn't know it at the time. So he like, for my birthday, he, oh no, it wasn't my birthday. It was my, it was uh, Valentine's Day. So he had packed a bag of like all of my clothes for a night and then booked us a hotel. And I was like working. And then he like showed up at my work, at my company, at my job. And then he was like, oh, well, I have a surprise for you. And I was like, oh, what's happening? So then he, uh, booked a room at the W for Valentine's Day. And, he, and it, it, like, walked I think blindfolded me and then walked me in through like the hotel like into this into the room that he had gotten for us and um just like really just like went all out and bought like all these sex toys and like you know like oil and had you know me blindfolded and like handcuffs and all this you know all the funds all the all the toppings um (laughs) and just like let me have it. <laughs> and it was just like, so it was so great, because it, he really focused on my pleasure, you know, and he had, he had me blindfolded. So he was like, okay, like, I'm gonna take care of you, you just lay back. And then I'm gonna do all, I'm gonna do all the work. And I feel like, that's not usually the case. Like, I usually want to do the one doing all the work. I'm the one, you know, like, focusing on the man's pleasure and making sure that he gets a good blowjob and comes and You know, instead of like thinking about my needs and, you know, asking for my needs or whatever, uh, making sure they're met. So, yeah, that was so much fun. It was just like great to be treated (laughs) like the queen I am.
1: And I feel like part of the reason he knew what to do was because because I know you and me had talked about your relationship and he would he would ask. Right. He wasn't he would ask you what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. What did he, what did he say something about you had some conversation about going down and he's, he asked you about what worked. Do you remember that?
0: I don't remember this, but I mean, it's not, I'm sure that was the case. Like he was very, like he asked a lot of questions. He was like very curious and like, you know, made sure to know what I liked and what I didn't like. And You know, like beyond sex, like asked about my dreams and aspirations and all these things. So (laughs) just all well, well well-rounded in terms of like making sure that, um, he was like doing what he could to make me happy.
1: Yeah. 'Cause Cause I think, yeah, that was the, what struck me about that relationship. And specifically when you talked about sex with him was he put high quality attention on you. Mm-hmm. And he paid attention to what worked. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an experiment getting to know, especially women. I think women like one of the the um quotes that really struck me from my research was a bisexual i think it was a bisexual man i can't remember no I think it was a bisexual woman It was a bisexual woman who said you know i've fucked both men and women, and I can tell you from experience, women are more complicated it's harder. the cues are more subtle um what works for one woman doesn't work for another woman. She was like, men are a lot easier. And I I really respect that sort of body of knowledge because I work primarily with heterosexual men and most of my friends are hetero as well. I don't have that many queer friends, but to have someone that has had sex with both say that, I thought was really striking. And my point here is like, you know, it's almost like if you're a man, like each woman is like a new experiment. Like what, what does work? What you know, it's like, let's try this and see what the cues are and then ask questions as well. And I think that's, yeah, that's, it just, it's something that I remember vividly from our conversations about that relationship. Like, wow, this guy was really paying attention and, oh, and always trying to learn more. Yes. Um, yeah. So I would say, so I have a couple of stories, but I'm going to briefly tell two of them. So one is um, my ex-boyfriend and I had a tumultuous relationship emotionally. And I think that one of the things that really um, kept us together was the sex, which is a red flag. Like that is a red flag. Usually that's a toxic relationship. I have this classification. I like to call it trauma sex when each person's trauma kind of lines up. And you're like, Whoa, this feels amazing. And there's so many fireworks, but actually we're really fucked up as a couple. Yeah. That was me and my ex. And, um, we had, we had split up and then met up a few years later. So this was like, I was living in the Hamptons at the time. And this was like, we were, we, it was like, (laughs) you know, when you meet up with an ex and it's like, do, do we, or don't we, are we going to, or not? You know, there's just like that sexual tension of like, we have history. And so all that was going on and we were on the beach. We had gone and had some wine. And so I was like slightly tipsy, but not really. And what I remember the most about the encounter was, it was really slow. We were like stargazing. So we're like laying on this blanket and he like put his hand on my leg, but like really slowly Right. And so there was like probably a good 45 minutes of buildup of just like me kind of being like, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? And like, finally, like after like 45 minutes, I was finally like, I just want to. I think that's a good enough reason. Like, I just want to. It doesn't have to be this whole other thing. Because I was like, oh, is this good for me? And I was like, really trying to make a healthy choice for myself. Really, that's what it came down to. But at the end of all that, I was like, I just really want to, like, I know that this man is good at sex, which is pretty rare. So I know it's going to be good. And I just, I'm feeling it, you know, like all of the things. And what I've always really appreciated about him in particular is he takes his time. So the fact that he took his time and it was really slow, everything was really slow. Like by the time we kissed, I was like, I want you inside me right now. Like I didn't... (laughs) It wasn't really true, but I love it. I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I was ready like 25 minutes ago. Like, um, so yeah, it was really hot. And, you know, it was also just beautiful, you know, when you're making out outside and there's just, it was kind of peaceful and there was like the ocean. Like, I, I don't know about you all, but I find that very memorable sexual experiences do sometimes have to do with the setting not always, but it, it really enhanced in my memory. It's vivid, you know, it's a, it's alive, it's vivid. There's all five senses involved. Like I could feel the salt air. It was nighttime, which is always kind of cool to be on the beach at night. And I don't always feel safe being on the beach at night alone, but with a partner, I feel safer. So, um, yeah, it was really incredible, but I think that the, the main takeaway, because I was also (laughs) being a little bit of a scientist at the time, like why in my memory was sex with you so good? So in my head, I was like, I'm going to record this moment. Like, what is it that you do? Like, why, you know, right. And, and that was a huge part of it. I was like, oh, you actually, you're slow. You slow everything down and you really pay attention to my body, my cues, my, you know, the pressure I'm giving you back, like, you know your attention is really, really on me and you're really present and slow. Slow just kept coming to me because, you know, part of what I teach in my course has to do with arousal patterns and the length of time. And for men, it takes about seven minutes to come to full arousal, like full physiological arousal. And the studies sort of vary, but at the, like, short version it takes women about 23 minutes and at the outside like 45 minutes so it takes us three to like 6x as long to actually come to arousal to be ready to want to be to get wet basically to get wet and want to be fucked and for men it's a lot shorter and then you add in porn which really doesn't <laughs> train any kind of foreplay or going slow or really paying close attention to her body Like maybe sometimes, but not the porn that I've seen. Like a lot of it's just not, that's not what's going on. So um, as a scientist, when I was paying attention, I was like, okay, this is a big part of why you're so good. Just because you just, you, you slow it down. You slow me down too. Like he would, he would slow me down because by the time, you know, like I said, I was like, okay, I'm ready. My body is ready. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he would go slower than me. And that was really rare in, you know, the sort of landscape of, of sexual, you know, behavior after that. And then I would say that the, the follow-up was a much healthier relationship I was in, where I think there was a lot better, there was a b- much better foundation, and sort of better communication. A lot of things were better. And what I found was that. Um, He and I, this was a guy that I dated and we, I think we waited like a month to have sex. I can't remember. It was longer than I had in the past. And, um, I remember asking him, oh, because we were dating, but we hadn't had the conversation about exclusivity and I, okay, I'm going to get the details wrong, but I do remember saying like we were making out and and I was like, I think I want to have sex tonight. and he really wanted to make sure I wanted to, like, I remember him being like, are you sure? Like, I want you to be excited about it. I want to make sure that you want to, that's not just something that you're doing just because. And I was like, I really want to, I just need to sort of, you know, ask you like for, for me, that means that we would be exclusive, sexually exclusive. And he was like, Oh yeah, I was meaning to, to, to say that anyway. So, um, so we have sex. And before we had sex, we were like, it was so good. Like he would go down on me. um, Like we were, we were doing all of the things that you do when you're not having intercourse, which is like some of the best sex for women. Like when I was doing my research, like that came up again and again was sort of like, this is how I orgasm. (laughs) So like the quote unquote, other stuff is actually for many women, like the main course. And, um, he was great at it, great at all of it. And he was slow and it was really, felt really connected. And like, I really like light, very light touch on my skin. And I think, I think we'd had some conversations about what we liked and didn't like. And so he knew that. So he would do that a lot. And I remember, Three weeks in or so, me saying like I'm afraid that once we start having sex, like this is going to go away, like we're going to lose, we're going to lose this. I said we're going to lose this. But really, what I meant was I'm going to lose this because I really enjoy this. And honestly, that happened. Like I feel like once we started having intercourse, it's sort of like we lost a lot of the foreplay, and I I was really sad about that, and I didn't feel exactly, I didn't really know again, sort of how to bring it up in terms of like man I miss that I really I kind of wish we could go back and I think there's this thing that happens when you start having intercourse with someone where it's like okay well this is just what we do now like there's like this it's like a bifurcation point like up until that point cuz I know a lot of people who've waited and then there's this like okay well I guess this is just how it is now and there's not really going back to just making out or the foreplay stuff um unless there's like a, unless you're like on a bus, right. Or like, there's some reason that you can't have <laughs> intercourse and then you like get creative again. And then I don't know about you all, but you know, in relationships, I'm like, Oh, this is great actually, because this is the pleasurable part in many ways for me. So, um, yeah, those are my two, um, very memorable. Like the, I remember with this guy, there was one night that we were like at my place and we Oh, I remember what it was. Um, I wore lingerie and I don't I haven't done that a lot in my life. And I was sort of like, I don't know, we've been dating for a little while. Let's just see what happens. And he like tore my clothes off. (laughs) I was like, oh, well, that was that was successful. (laughs) I was like a (laughs) successful run. And um, and it was really, really good. Um, and there wasn't a lot of foreplay. So it's sort of like it's not all I'm not saying that it's always like super necessary. Like Janine, like, um, Nina, you were talking about, um, the, the variedness of it. Like for me, I think when I'm with a man where I know he can go slow, it's like a lot more pleasurable to have a cookie with him. Cause it feels like there's, there's going to be variety. Whereas if that's the only setting that he has, I dated a guy briefly where that was the only setting. Like I was like, Oh, this is novel. You know, we had a cookie, I don't know, forget where I, I think I met him at the club actually. And I was like, this is fun. But then every time we went on a date, it, it was like that. And I was like, Oh, that's the only way you know how to do this. <laughs> and it became a lot less novel. It's was like, okay, yeah, no, I really want more connection yeah. than this. So yeah. So I'm curious, um, now that we've heard everyone's what like themes that we're noticing in terms of what makes the sex, what made the sex so good that it became sort of on our top top three list?
2: Well, I definitely heard anticipation a lot. Um, even when you were just talking about like the slowness with the first guy, like that was all very much about building up to it. Um, and then like the stuff that you were just talking about, about foreplay, like I think that happens all the time. Like I think most relationships I've had like all the foreplay goes away. Um, and like you said, I think it's good to have like it vary and it does. I'm not saying that we have to have foreplay all the time, but like, like I said, from the beginning, like I really like to be kissed and like kissing just like goes away. Like there is no kissing in the sex anymore. And I just like, I, that's something that I like always want back. And so when I think about sex that I've had, that's good. A lot of it is the earlier sex where that's still a part of it.
1: Okay. I have a fun story about that. Okay. I so when I first taught my course, I taught it live to a handful of men, and one of them was married. And he described um uh he was he was sort of rekindling things with his wife. That was part of why he was taking the course. And they think they had a date night every Friday or there was some night of the week they had a date night. And much of the beginning of the course was about this, about anticipation and the buildup. And so he said, um, that he sat next to her during dinner and he like put his hand on her thigh and he was just like a lot more like physically affectionate, not necessarily sexually, but just much more physically connected. And he gave her some compliments. And one of the things that I talk about in my work is owning your desire as a man. So really breathing and being with your desire with her so that you're feeling it and she can feel it. Cause I think a lot of women are like, Ooh, like there's this little spark when we're like, Oh, he's looking at me. Like, in like that way, you know, it's like exciting and you feel seen and you feel special and you feel lit up and all this stuff. So he practiced doing that on the date. And he was like, definitely the best sex we've had in a really long time. Like just, it was just like positive down the line. And I remember him saying something like, something like, oh, this is easier than I thought it would be like he just hadn't put together that sex starts before the bedroom. And he was like, now I'm taking a longer view of how it, how it actually works in real life. And it's much longer than just those 20 minutes in the bedroom. Like, and I, I, I was so happy about that. Cause I was like, wow, this, this woman's life just got like a whole lot better.
0: <laughs> it's, it's interesting too. Cause I also feel like there's a factor and I, I've actually had this conversation with a few guys I've dated where like once you sort of like give permission to do certain things and they speed to those steps, right? So like once they've touched your breast, once they've, you know, put their hand inside you, then they go there much quicker because they already know it's okay. Whereas when it first happens, they're testing the waters, right? So like when they, when you're first making out they're they're touching you over your shirt and like seeing how you react and seeing what happens if they gently put your, their hand under your shirt and you react well, so then they go, you know, under your bra and they play with your nipple. But then the next time they're like, she liked when I played with the nipple. I'm going to do that. And that isn't how it works. Like, I don't I don't know if anybody is a Friends fan, but there's this episode where I can't, I can't even tell you the characters at this point, but one of the women is telling one of the men, basically like drawing a map of heterogeneous zones and they number them. It's like one through, I, I feel like there's a lot. Yeah, yes. <laughs> right. And then, and, and, and she's describing it and all the women are like, yes, yes. You know? And the guy's like, wait, what? Th- that's a zone? But for me, what it was more about was the idea of the buildup, right? Because she's saying, like, you do, so pretend like, you know, one, three, and seven are, you know, neck, archer your foot, and and lower back. Um, and, and she's saying you do a one, and then a three, and then a seven, and then a, and for me, the point of that was really less about, about the zones, but more about, like, you don't always jump to, you know, six, you know, the the primary ones the ones you think are the are the are the hot spots, um and and when I say I've had conversations with folks I've dated I mean I've specifically said this I've said like hey one of the things that was really exciting about the first time we had sex was this but now like like, to be really blunt, like, if you're, if you put your hand in a woman's, you know, on her clitoris or whatever, and she's not wet, then you've probably gone there too quickly, right? If you, if you get there and she's really wet, then you're going at the right speed.
2: Totally.
1: I would just, like, second that. Just, like, second that real hard.
0: And obviously, to Clarify, obviously I know like different women produce, you know, different amounts of moisture. If you're postmenopausal, it might be a different situation. But what I'm saying is like if if early in your relationship, if the first times you were having sex, you had that result and then you're, you're going more quickly and you're not, you know, then maybe, you know, then then maybe you could
1: slow things down a little. I think it's also worth noting that, you know, some of the best sexual encounters I've had. Weren't rushed, and the guy was hard, and then he wasn't, and then he was again, and then he wasn't again. And I think there's this pressure in porn of like, I've got to be able to get hard and stay hard, rock hard for like all of Hammer Town, and that's like mm-hmm. how you fuck. And like that has not been my experience, and it's been like it ebbs and flows, right? Mm-hmm. Erections ebb and flow, and that's actually been a pleasurable part of the experience. And there's a lot more that we can do when you're not hard that is actually Really connecty and pleasurable and makes me feel good. So I guess I just want to normalize like real men aren't hard for like twenty five minutes, you know, or like an hour, or like it's it's not that's not actually the way it works in my experience. It's kind of like it comes and goes, it comes and goes as you're connecting and as different things are happening.
0: Right, or or they're semi hard, or you know, yeah, I, I agree. I think that also brought up another theme that I that I noticed, which is around um just communication. And I know that's obvious, but like one of the things that, that my current boyfriend does really well is if I tell him that I'm uncomfortable for some reason. So I recently found out that my cervix is like kind of low or kind of sideways or something. I don't know. A lot of women are different. Right. But so sometimes different positions cause me more pain. Right. So, so, and this is very common for, for the man's penis to basically be like bumping into the woman's cervix, depending on the position and and their body type,
1: especially doggy um, so, style. Oh, uh, Okay.
0: Um, so one of the things that what, so if I say, I, you know, I'm uncomfortable, you know, let's move. I, I might not put it that way during sex, but you know, if I communicate that, um, then when we move, he checks in, how is it now? And don't be wrong. I, you wouldn't want that too much. You wouldn't want checking in, you know, if he asked 20 times, then frankly, it would be annoying, you know, like you got to find that balance between checking in, but also like taking leadership and being in the moment. But like, if we're in a position and I say, can we do this? Can we make this more comfortable At doing this? We do it. And then he says, how, how about now? <laughs> you know, like, is it, do you, are you still uncomfortable? Are you okay? Just, does it feel good? And that's like, It sounds really obvious, but I would say most men do not do that. I would say honestly, at least like 90% of the partners that I've been with might check in about something at some point, but that follow-up to you saying something feels good or something doesn't feel good, making sure like I feel like another thing that happens is you say something feels good and they do it harder or faster, which I know we've talked about already. But you're like, oh, that that feels really nice, and they think that means you know do it differently, do it more, do it whatever. When you just you're just saying like, hey, that feels nice, like either keep doing it or just make a note for the future that I like that.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I think I just want to highlight that harder and faster part because you know, those word charts um, where you, there's like an aggregate, like a word cloud. So I did those for the feedback from the women and um, it was sort of like, what, what did the men who were best in bed do? Right. And I left it open-ended and, anyways, the biggest word in the word cloud was slow or slowly. And exactly the opposite. When I asked about the, the men who were worst in bed, the word fast, hard, and rough were all huge. And then other words were like smaller. And I think it's worth noting that the clitoris is 25 times smaller than the penis. So whatever works for you with your penis You want to take that down by 25 times when you're touching a woman with your hands, for example, or your tongue, really. But any of it is like it's much smaller, much more subtle movements, much, much softer, especially to start than it is for for your penis. And that sort of like revving up. Right. That we're talking about the anticipation. It's like an on ramp. Like, it's like a fucking cliff. If there, if there's no on-ramp, it's like, for us, it's like you're smashing into a cliff or something, whereas it's much like the smoother sort of like takeoff. Like, that's really what we want because a lot of women reporting, you know, once I'm turned on, once I'm excited, once I'm wet, once I'm aroused, then I do like, you know, the harder and faster can be pleasurable. But when it jumps there right away, it isn't. And I think that's been my, overwhelming experience. When I look at the men that have been best in bed for me, I'm like, wow, you guys really knew how to go slowly and take your time and genuinely, and not take your time and like, I'm just waiting for the next thing. Right. That's not really what I'm talking about because it's sort of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, it's like when you're in a conversation and you're just waiting for the person to stop talking. So you you can share your point. (laughs) This is the same as listening. I think I'm uh, guilty of that sometimes. Um, but these men were actually present in the moment, really there, enjoying it's like savoring, like savoring a really good dessert rather than just sort of scarfing it down. It felt to me like that was the, the feeling that they were having about it. And it was so such a turn on. Cool. (laughs) So, um, yeah, as we're sort of starting to wrap up here, is there any final things that you ladies want to share about? Yeah, I'd say
0: that an observation that I've made that maybe is not as obvious or more subtle is the creation of an experience, right? Like, whether that be going, like planning a trip, you know, the the destination sex for for Nina or for me, it's um, the hotel experience, right? And like buying all these gadgets (laughs) to kind of add to that experience go,
1: go, gadget sex toy
0: <laughs> or you know for mel um the the setting this the, looking up at the stars being on you know near the water or whatever i think like focusing on the other person's experience and maybe i ent- trying to anticipate what they might or might not like or um like just being intentional about the, the the environment you know that really adds to the sexual experience or the enjoyability of the joyability I'm not sure if that's a word um, of the experience
1: yeah and I, I i don't know about you ladies but for me part of what it does is it makes me feel special and when i feel special yeah. i feel more relaxed i feel more open i feel more receptive i feel more desired and that has me, I think, more um, turned on, really. Cool. All right. Well, um, we're gonna wrap there. Um, I mentioned my course a few times. If you're interested in that, you can go to pleaseherinbed.com. The course is ninety-seven dollars. But if you use code DEARMEN, you get it for sixty-nine. Yes, that's nine. And that's, that's all one okay. word. dear men, one word.